Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I inspire you to take action with stillness, let go of chaos, and step into your future self on this podcast. We have special, high-performing guests each week who share mindset tips and their spirituality, helping us all prepare to be the best we can be for our future. Let's Dare to Move. Good morning, good afternoon, and maybe even good evening, no matter where you are. I'm so glad you're tuning in. I think this content, especially for women, is going to be pretty insightful. What's really cool is I decided to bring on my new intern on her way to becoming an assistant. I'm calling her my assistant because she's absolutely crushing it uh, to really co-create an episode with the Katie Briard who is a pre and postnatal fitness coach. What's so neat about Katie is that she comes from a place of personal purpose and drive. She had a crazy second pregnancy that led her to really want to help women through pregnancy and let them know that it is possible to come away from pregnancy back home to yourself and back home to a newer mom version of you in a way that is um, empowering because I think there's a something gets lost and I know that I as a um, woman who is 20 weeks pregnant have already thought about what parts of me are going to be lost what parts of me am I going to be letting go of and I talked a lot about the griefing the griefing the grieving process with breakup coach Dorothy over the weekend um, last weekend on how to, when we were talking about breaking up with yourself and there is a part of me that is going to be lost, the maiden version. I will never be her again, but that doesn't mean I can't be strong. That doesn't mean that I can't be healthy. That doesn't mean I can't have a safe and healthy return to fitness after I have my baby. So what's really neat is I invited my new assistant, Shelby Coley, to do a little pre-interview so you guys can get to know her, what she's all about. And then also, that way you know who she is when she chimes in in the episode with Katie. We wanted to attack this interview to get the most out of it for you guys from my perspective of someone who is prenatal, who is in the process of growing the baby, and then someone who has had two babies and had two very challenging pregnancies. Shelby has two daughters. Her youngest is, I think, 20 months, and she's still breastfeeding, so she's still very much in the thick of that new mom journey, and Katie it can shed light on both sides. So we hope that it's very helpful for you. I learned a lot. And I think one of my biggest takeaways, not to spoil too much, is just that there is no standard practice. And it really does drive home the message of listening to your body and tuning into your own intuition, which we talk so much about on this podcast, because, um, you know, I ask very specific questions like, well, what about push-ups? So what about, so a lot of this was guided by my own personal uh, questions right now. So if these don't totally relate to you, Katie did want you to know that she is totally open to any questions you have. Just DM her on Instagram. She's at method by Katie Briard on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is tagged in the show notes. So you can find her. But what I was trying to get across by asking my pretty specific questions uh, was what's true? What's false? What do I, should I be doing? And there's that magical word should and, uh, mom guilt comes from that. And so I don't want anyone to think that this episode is going to give them do's and don'ts. It's going to give you a very kind of hard, but true, uh, but genuine truth, which is 
It depends. I had a business professor once who answered everything with it depends. And as much as it drove me nuts, it was also a very liberating statement. So thank you so much to Katie Briard for coming on. I am now going to introduce my assistant, Shelby, to just come on and give you guys a little bit of info about her. She is going to be hosting a couple interviews with me coming up in the future. So this way you kind of get to know her voice and a little bit more about her. And then we'll go into uh, the juicy insights with Katie. So first up, here is my new assistant, Shelby. Katie Briard. So now that I know exactly how to say your last name, so glad you're here today. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today, guys. Me too. We are glad. And I would say I want to jump off from this point we were just talking about before recording, which is that a lot of women come to you who aren't even pregnant yet. So I thought that was a cool place to jump off from because in your words, uh, people are fascinated at what is this process going to look like? How much am I going to change? And do I lose my body? And I think that's a great place to start because I personally have, as I'm older, I have more examples of this, but as a younger, I would say high school girl, um, and then watching people in my family, people I knew, um, it was sort of this path of like, you're fit, you're beautiful, you get pregnant, you put on weight, and then you're sort of like heavier for the rest of your life. And that's obviously not a good example for what pregnancy means. And as I navigate it, I would love to just jump off from there of how you start that conversation with women. Yeah, 100%. So I think, um, you know, people are, when they're newly pregnant or trying to get pregnant, there's like kind of this fear that they're completely going to have to like, change their whole perspective on the way they accept themselves and uh, what's going to happen to your body. You know, it's like very unknown and it's kind of um, a triggering time, right? Cause you're almost like, it's, it's almost like the time before your wedding where almost like the focus is on you and your physical self so much. And it's also a time where people feel like they can, you're very exposed, you know? And so I think that people feel like they um, are kind of going to lose them in that space. And what I really try to help women see is, first of all, a little bit of when you're pregnant, there's also never a better time to get in shape and focus on being healthy. But there's also a great, it's also a great time to kind of shift your mindset around it where, you know, you know, this change is going to happen, but how can you do these things for a different reason? You know, I, I love the focus when you're pregnant that it can kind of come, it's a little bit less pressure to have it be from like goals and aesthetic goals, but almost more like, I want to do this to make my body the in the most healthy place it can be to raise this human and to help myself recover afterwards to help balance my hormones afterwards. And so I think that's a really great first mind shift to think about. And then I think also, Um, What I'm seeing a lot of now and what I love, love, love and think is so great for our generation is a lot of people actually start working out when they're pregnant for the first time ever now. I think, as you were saying, from like our parents' generation, it was kind of like, oh, you're pregnant now. Like, here's this great time to just like sit on the couch and do nothing and not let yourself go, but like eat whatever you want, like blah, blah, blah. And then it's almost like, okay, you have the kid and there's no focus left on your body. You just kind of have to like accept where you are and just live in that way. And first of all, that's taking so much power away from, 
from women and like almost making you settle for the second half of your life, which it doesn't have to be that way at all. But I love seeing women start to exercise in pregnancy. It's like the best you can really get into awesome shape or stay in incredible shape. Um, so I love kind of supporting women through that mind shift while they're pregnant, you know, um, and then afterwards, it's really the focus that, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, you've had the baby, there's a huge emotional shift right after you have your first baby, where a lot of attention, you know, um, is taken away from you. I just remember feeling when I was first a new mom as someone who, you know, generally, as a successful women, woman, you get a lot of attention placed on yourself. And all of a sudden, I just remember being like, I could come out here like completely naked and no one would notice because everyone's focusing on the baby now and feeling like, okay, is this just how I'm supposed to live? Like, I'm not really myself anymore. I'm Bailey's mom. Um, and it's really realizing that you can let go of who you're, you used to be and what your body was in a certain regard, but you can have new goals and be in some of the best shape you've ever been and love your body in a new way. You know what I mean? So mm. I think it's really, um, it's a new time where people are really getting in amazing shape for the first time while they're pregnant. They're not, they're getting in awesome shape afterwards. They're realizing that they don't just have to focus on, like put all of their focus on caring about everyone else and never thinking about themselves. And I really try to help women see that taking care of yourself while you're pregnant and like being confident and happy in your body and having these strength goals is so important for your own health and mental health. And then doing it afterwards only makes you a better person and parent and partner, you know? So it's, um, I love helping women in that way. And I think that that perspective has really shifted in the last like 20, 30 years. So it's an awesome, I think it's an awesome time to come into that empowerment and an awesome time to be pregnant, you know? Mm, I love that. I, I, I definitely appreciate that kind of kicking off with the mindset shift because it is such a transformation and so much is happening. And yeah. I feel like, I feel like instead of reading every book before I'm sort of taking it in stride, like, Oh, this part of my oblique felt funny. What does that mean? What is round ligament pain? So sort of discovering that as go. And I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure now going into like potentially a second pregnancy later on, I'll, I'll be more equipped. But um, I think one of the biggest things that was shocking for me and, and could be a, another natural place to, um, to sort of go and, and Shelby will sort of come in at the end to ask questions more on the postpartum side. Cause I do want to talk about the hormonal uh, yeah. balancing and the emotional shifts. Uh, but yeah. with, uh, so I, for instance, I'm going to use myself a lot because a lot of the listeners in my story, uh, powerlifting, bodybuilding, you know, hanging out with 40 pound dumbbells just because it's, it's what feels good. And then I want to say four weeks ago, I was just doing a three point row. I had given up on chin-ups. I'm like, I've heard those aren't really good for me. Uh, and I could feel as I was rowing this 35 pound dumbbell, which for me is usually like nothing. It's like my whole abdomen was like ripping apart. And, and yeah. so what is the science um, behind this idea that, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but quote unquote, losing strength in the beginning, or is it more of just, 
you aren't able to tap into the way your core normally functioned in order to move some of those heavier weights. Cause I don't feel less, I don't feel weaker per se, but yet yeah. when I'm picking up those weights, I'm like, I need a 15 pound weight right now. Yeah. 100%. And you're a client that I love. I love to model off of because you're obviously in fantastic shape and have have built up a strength base and health base for so long. So it's probably really interesting to see now where you're like, my body is shifting. I haven't, I've continued being healthy and working out through my pregnancy. Like, why is this suddenly different? And a lot of what's happening because you're right in the beginning of your second, you're in the midst of your second trimester, right? Okay. So this is really where like the crazy stuff starts to happen, which is like so interesting for, (laughs) so interesting for your body. And, um, it's where stuff kind of picks up kind of quickly. Right. Because in the beginning, everything's like developing on a micro level. I didn't feel a lot of nauseous in the first trimester. A lot of people struggle with that, but it's not things you can like physically, it's not things your body can like physically see as much where now you have all this relaxing going through your system. Relaxin is the hormone that helps everything your body prepare for birth. So it helps everything kind of like expand and move apart. And it's not just your hips and your thighs and everything that has to help with childbirth. It's actually, it's going through your entire body, but it's going through um, your core in the area that you're talking about as well. So what's really interesting is, I don't know if you've ever done like body measurements as from your body, like comp days or just whatever your rib cage can actually expand in the second trimester by like multiple inches really, really quickly. Um, so that's one thing to think about that you might just be in a phase where your core and upper body because of the relaxant starting to go through your system is expanding. And that if you know, you know, from an anatomy perspective, that's going to affect your obliques, it's going to affect um, your uh all of your core muscles, but it's going to really pull everything apart. So that's, it's actually more just like almost when you've had a really hard lifting day and um, you feel sore or weak the next day, it's kind of that happening just in a different way that you're Mm -hmm. used to feeling. So it's not, it's, if you're maintaining those levels of, uh, you know, strength, Katie Briard. So now that I know exactly how to say your last name, so glad you're here today. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today, guys. Me too. We are glad. And I would say I want to jump off from this point we were just talking about before recording, which is that a lot of women come to you who aren't even pregnant yet. So I thought that was a cool place to jump off from because in your words, uh, people are fascinated at what is this process going to look like? How much am I going to change? And do I lose my body? And I think that's a great place to start because I personally have, as I'm older, I have more examples of this, but as a younger, I would say high school girl, um, and then watching people in my family, people I knew, um, it was sort of this path of like, you're fit, you're beautiful, you get pregnant, you put on weight, and then you're sort of like heavier for the rest of your life. And that's obviously not a good example for what pregnancy means. And as I navigate it, I would love to just jump off from there of how you start that conversation with women. Yeah, 100%. So I think, um, you know, people are, when they're newly pregnant or trying to get pregnant, there's like kind of this fear that they're completely going to have to like 
change their whole perspective on the way they accept themselves and um, what's going to happen to your body. You know, it's like very unknown and it's kind of um, a triggering time, right? Cause you're almost like, it's, it's almost like the time before your wedding where almost like the focus is on you and your physical self so much. And it's also a time where people feel like they can, you're very exposed, you know? And so I think that people feel like they um, are kind of going to lose them in that space. And what I really try to help women see is, first of all, a little bit of when you're pregnant, there's also never a better time to get in shape and focus on being healthy. But there's also a great, it's also a great time to kind of shift your mindset around it where, you know, you know, this change is going to happen, but how can you do these things for a different reason? You know, I, I love the focus when you're pregnant that it can kind of come, it's a little bit less pressure to have it be from like goals and aesthetic goals, but almost more like, I want to do this to make my body the in the most healthy place it can be to raise this human and to help myself recover afterwards to help balance my hormones afterwards. And so I think that's a really great first mind shift to think about. And then I think also, um, what I'm seeing a lot of now and what I love, love, love and think is so great for our generation is a lot of people actually start working out when they're pregnant for the first time ever now. I think, as you were saying, from like our parents' generation, it was kind of like, oh, you're pregnant now. Like, here's this great time to just like sit on the couch and do nothing and not let yourself go, but like eat whatever you want, like blah, blah, blah. And then it's almost like, okay, you have the kid and there's no focus left on your body. You just kind of have to like accept where you are and just live in that way. And first of all, that's taking so much power away from, from women and like almost making you settle for the second half of your life, which it doesn't have to be that way at all. But I love seeing women start to exercise in pregnancy. It's like the best you can really get into awesome shape or stay in incredible shape. Um, so I love kind of supporting women through that mind shift while they're pregnant, you know, um, and then afterwards, it's really the focus that, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, you've had the baby, there's a huge emotional shift right after you have your first baby, where a lot of attention, you know, um, is taken away from you. I just remember feeling when I was first a new mom as someone who, you know, generally, as a successful women, woman, you get a lot of attention placed on yourself. And all of a sudden, I just remember being like, I could come out here like completely naked and no one would notice because everyone's focusing on the baby now and feeling like, okay, is this just how I'm supposed to live? Like, I'm not really myself anymore. I'm Bailey's mom. Um, and it's really realizing that you can let go of who you're, you used to be and what your body was in a certain regard, but you can have new goals and be in some of the best shape you've ever been and love your body in a new way. You know what I mean? So mm. I think it's really, um, it's a new time where people are really getting in amazing shape for the first time while they're pregnant. They're not, they're getting in awesome shape afterwards. They're realizing that they don't just have to focus on, like put all of their focus on caring about everyone else and never thinking about themselves. And I really try to help women see that taking care of yourself while you're pregnant and like being confident and happy in your body and having these strength goals is so important for your own health and mental health. 
And then doing it afterwards only makes you a better person and parent and partner, you know? So it's, um, I love helping women in that way. And I think that that perspective has really shifted in the last like 20, 30 years. So it's awesome. I think it's an awesome time to come into that empowerment and an awesome time to be pregnant, you know? Mm, I love that. I, I, I definitely appreciate that kind of kicking off with the mindset shift because it is such a transformation and so much is happening. And I feel like, I feel like instead of reading every book before I'm sort of taking it in stride, like, Oh, this part of my oblique felt funny. What does that mean? What is round ligament pain? So sort of discovering that go. And I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure now going into like potentially a second pregnancy later on, I'll, I'll be more equipped, but, um, I think one of the biggest things that was shocking for me and, and could be a, another natural place to, um, to sort of go and, and Shelby will sort of come in at the end to ask questions more on the postpartum side. Cause I do want to talk about the hormonal, uh, yeah. balancing and the emotional shifts. Uh, but yeah. with, uh, so I, for instance, I'm going to use myself a lot because a lot of the listeners yeah. in my story, uh, powerlifting, bodybuilding, you know, hanging out with 40 pound dumbbells just because it's, it's what feels good. And then I want to say four weeks ago, I was just doing a three point row. I had given up on chin-ups. I'm like, I've heard those aren't really good for me. Uh, and I could feel as I was rowing this 35 pound dumbbell, which for me is usually like nothing. It's like my whole abdomen was like ripping apart. And, and so what is the science, um, behind this idea that, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but quote unquote losing strength in the beginning, or is it more of just, you aren't able to tap into the way your core normally functioned in order to move some of those heavier weights. Cause I don't feel less, I don't feel weaker per se, but yet when I'm picking up those weights, I'm like, I need a 15 pound weight right now. Yeah. 100%. And you're a client that I love I love to model off of because you're obviously in fantastic shape and have have built up a strength base and health base for so long. So it's probably really interesting to see now where you're like, my body is shifting. I haven't, I've continued being healthy and working out through my pregnancy. Like, why is this suddenly different? And a lot of what's happening, because you're right in the beginning of your second, you're in the midst of your second trimester, right? Okay, so this is really where like the crazy stuff starts to happen, which is like so interesting for (laughs) so interesting for your body. And um, it's where stuff kind of picks up kind of quickly, right? Because in the beginning, everything's like developing on a micro level. I didn't feel a lot of nauseous in the first trimester. A lot of people struggle with that, but it's not things you can like physically, it's not things your body can like physically see as much where now you have all this relaxing going through your system. Relaxin is the hormone that helps everything, your body prepare for birth. So it helps everything kind of like expand and move apart. And it's not just your hips and your thighs and everything that has to help with childbirth. It's actually, it's going through your entire body, but it's going through um, your core in the area that you're talking about as well. So what's really interesting is, I don't know if you've ever done like body measurements as from your body, like comp days or just whatever, your rib cage can actually expand in the second trimester by like multiple inches really, really quickly. 
Um, so that's one thing to think about that you might just be in a phase where your core and upper body because of the relaxant starting to go through your system is expanding. And that if you know, you know, from an anatomy perspective, that's going to affect your obliques, it's going to affect um, your uh, all of your core muscles, but it's going to really pull everything apart. So that's, it's actually more just like almost when you've had a really hard lifting day and um, you feel sore or weak the next day, it's kind of that happening just in a different way that you're mm -hmm. used to feeling. So it's not, it's, if you're maintaining those levels of, uh, you know, strength, it's, you're not going to lose it. You're going to have that muscle memory and everything. It's just being, particular to the feeling in the particular day or week and really honoring and respecting that. Um, what starts to happen in the second trimester is that things start to change really, really quickly. So one week you might be feeling like your obliques are totally out of whack. You can't do those things. And I would just suggest honoring and respecting it. Like what modification can you do in that time? That's still going to be a good workout, still engaging your core but isn't hurting it. You know what I mean? And then you might find that in the next couple of weeks, you can go back and do it. So don't be like, you know, this is totally gone for good necessarily. Um, it's just honoring that like your core is going through so many changes so quickly that it's just, there's adjustments at particular times. That's super helpful. Um, Shelby, yeah. did, you, did you do any working out during your pregnancy, Shelby? So not with my first and not actually no, because my first, I, uh, we were moving a lot. I was super nauseous. Um, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to lay in bed. And then with my second, I actually had to go on bed rest after about, I think I was six months pregnant. Um, wow. I was put on bed rest, so I could not do absolutely anything. And again, I was really nauseous at the beginning Good for girl. about three months. So Mm, yeah. Well, we'll talk more about your post, uh, part of journey with getting into fitness, which is kind of yeah. exciting too, because it's so against the grain of what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, so one of the, the questions I think could be a fun thing to run down through for the listeners is sort of like, what are some big benchmarks to look out for on the journey? So, um, and I know that in our day and age, there's so much science now, and there is a lot of, uh, development in the pre postnatal industry, which is yeah. great. So things are changing. And that's why I think it's a good time to ask you. Um, I'm going to just kind of throw out a couple of things that I've heard and I would love for you to like prove, disprove, take as long as you want to explain. Uh, and then I'm going to share a story of recently. So, uh, sure. no flat bench after you hit the second trimester, uh, no laying down on your back while sleeping. Um, and then if you're going to be doing any sort of push-ups, making sure your hands are um, elevated, those are sort of the main ones that are coming up. And then no chin-ups because of like doming. And I want to hit on um, doming uh, with the abs. And yeah. so uh, knowing those, I always thought, well, I see women doing like squat jumps. How could a push-up be quote unquote wrong? And I was at my physical therapist the other day, cause I'm dealing with hip issues on top of this pregnancy. And the guy who I'm working with works next to a woman physical therapist who just gave birth or she's just coming back mm -hmm. from her, um, her, uh, postpartum, uh, maternity leave. And he goes, just so you know, she did push-ups throughout until her belly was hitting the floor and she was fine. And I wanted so badly to believe him in that moment, 
but yet I had just spent, you know, time on Instagram being like, don't do push ups. So it would be so helpful <laughs> to, to know what you, what you think. Yeah. 100%. And I think what's hard, um, for trainers who don't have like a, a lot of background in this for trainers who's never been pregnant before too, which is a huge thing. Um, and for people who are pregnant is you're really nervous to know like what's going to hurt someone or not, you know what I mean? And, um, so I think people always err on the side of caution, which is, you know, good and bad because it makes people kind of hold back from more than they're able to do. Sometimes it also helps people from hurting themselves. You know what I mean? So, and I think there had, there's a lot more research lately coming out. Um, but I think there's been a lot of hesitation in the past because first of all, I think the mindset of working out while pregnant wasn't as big a thing as we talked about. And then no one really wants to, uh, you know, point and probe a lot of pregnant women for there haven't been a lot of studies done because no one wants to be like, okay, I'll be like the trial that could potentially hurt myself. Right. So that's why there's a lot more research coming out now. Um, and I think what's scary is there's a lot of gray area while you're pregnant and when you're in fitness classes or anything where you're like, okay, can I do this or not? So when I train clients, you know, everyone's fitness level starting out is completely different. And that's a huge thing to take into consideration. If you're someone who's never done a push-up and you're in your second trimester, you might want to avoid doing a put. This might not be the time to start like reaching your like, like highest rep max of weightlifting. This might be that not the time to start learning push-ups and all that type of thing. So that's a good thing to put in per to perspective. The, so the things we kind of went through, these are just general guidelines. Um, but you should really start off by focusing on knowing your body and knowing where your fitness level was before you started and how your first trimester went, if you were able to exercise or not, because there could be some people like Shelby was talking about who you were, people were exercising before, but then they were super sick their first trimester. Um, they might've had like issues with hematomas, which yeah. come up a lot of your first trimester, things like that, where you can't exercise all. And then you have to go and be like, okay, I might've been in great shape, but I had to take 12 weeks off from exercising. So how do I need to modify now? Okay, so you've gone through that and you're knowing your fitness levels. General guidelines are, yes, after the first trimester, you want to avoid from, you want to avoid any type of major flexion. So that's the coning thing you were talking about. So that's why people generally say you don't want to, um, you want to prop yourself up when you're doing like chest presses or any work on a bench, try to do that. That generally is helpful. And also, um, as you know, you can still do an awesome workout with a slight elevation. So that I think is great. It also, once you get into like your third trimester is just frankly, like a lot more comfortable. So I think that's great. Um, in terms of doing pushups, I always say, know where you started. Um, and then know where the problem with ab separation, which is what happens. Um, you have your rectus abdominal muscles that go through, um, they're your six pack muscles, which run down the front. And then they're connected by um, small connective tissue called your linea alba, which is like, um, people can see it at the end of pregnancy. If you ever get that a lot, you see a lot of people who are pregnant with that, like black line down the center. Um, that's the linea alba. And if you are doing a lot of exercises that are, um, 
pulling the, your rectus abdominis and leaning abdomen apart further than is already happening when your belly is expanding, that's just going to put more pressure and um, on the connective tissue to make it pull apart further. And that's where you can see certain issues with coning. So if you look at coning, it's literally when you start doing a sit up and with a lot of people, especially people who are have good fitness levels before you can see it. It's almost like a little like, um, a little like bump. Like if you Google picture, everyone can see it. it's a little like molehill kind of that comes up from your rectus abdominis. And you don't want it. You want to discourage that as much as possible during pregnancy. Cause that's what can cause issues with ab separation postpartum. So I generally say with clients, once you start showing in your second trimester, try doing a push-up. And if you start feeling like your core muscles are doing that, then it's time to start making modifications, right? Like it's way better to avoid those exercises and try to avoid really bad ab separation now than deal with it post-pregnancy if you can, because that's really the time where you, you really can't use your core for a long time if you have bad ab separation. So it's always a game of like, what is your fitness levels now? What's happening when I do it? And is it going to be worth it later on to push it? Usually the answer is no. So um, push-ups are a little bit tricky that way. I often say like, how can you find like really good modifications for push-ups or really good exercises that are engaging your core in a similar way, um, but aren't, if you do feel the coning, like aren't hurting it as much. Um, and then in terms of pull-ups, I say, um, Again, if you are feeling like you have some of that coning as you're doing it, start using a band later on, mm -hmm. but um, you know, a band underneath uh, your foot and everything like that. But I think if you aren't having coning, if you aren't having those ab separations, you really can do it with modifications throughout. It's really just knowing yourself and how you're performing them and how you're feeling them as you're doing them. In case you didn't know, or perhaps you forgot, I'm pregnant and I'm hungry all the time. I don't know if that's because I'm having a boy or if it's because I'm just, my truest self is coming out in this pregnancy. I'm, I've always been a person that lives on the hungrier side, but nevertheless, I have found something that's helping me curb my appetite. Not that I'm not trying to feed myself, but that I know I'm getting nourished without overdoing it. Prior to trying the Isogenics Vanilla Chai plant-based and metal-tested protein powder, I would eat a protein bar in the morning, usually an RX bar, and then I would want eggs or breakfast tacos by like nine and then a snack and then lunch and then a snack and then maybe another snack and then dinner. So the most interesting thing happened when I was testing this product. I had a pro, uh, an Isogenics protein bar that was new mom approved from their new mom bundle, which is linked in the show notes at about 6 a.m. when I had my coffee. Then at about 10 a.m., I was not hungry until 10, 10.30 maybe, I made oatmeal with their immunity blend and their vanilla chai plant-based protein powder. I could not believe it. At one o'clock, Jeff was like, are you hungry for lunch? And I, I like didn't realize that I hadn't eaten. And I was like, I'm going to go on a walk really quick. So I ended up not eating until about three o'clock that day, which is so unlike me. I had had enough calories because in my oatmeal, I also put an egg. I also put chia seed. I also put flax seed. I also put almond milk. I also put avocado and I also put maple syrup plus the protein powder. So 
don't worry, mama is fed. (laughs) But I wasn't feeling the constant hunger, which to me was a sign of I am nourished and my baby is nourished. So I wanted to link the new mom bundle that I bought from Isogenics in the show notes. And then if you're not really amped about buying a whole package of goodies, I just also linked the protein powder. So check the show notes for my favorite plant-based protein powder. And also take note that this is gluten-free, it is soy-free, it is dairy-free, and it has been tested for metals. A lot of protein powders, even some I won't name, but that are on the shelves at Whole Foods have come out to have tested positive for metals. And thank you to Max Lugavere for tipping me off to that years ago. So check out this protein powder if you're looking for one to keep you full and that tastes really good. Blend it in a protein shake or in your oatmeal. Now back to the show. Oh, one more thing. This is pre and post natal certified for moms and breastfeeding moms. So you definitely want to check this one out. Now back to the show. That's super helpful. And it, it sort of speaks to the world we now live in with Instagram, where you can see a woman doing CrossFit while pregnant. And then you can see a woman doing only body weight, or again, like Shelby being on bed rest throughout most of of the time. And I think the first thing to your point to kind of reflect that for the listeners is like, yes, know your body, know your own fitness level. Don't try something crazy. Um, But it's also helpful for me to hear that because there's also this level of mom guilt uh, before you even have baby of like, oh no, I'm doing chin up. Someone's going to judge me. Like I naturally just wanted to do some handstands the other day. And I, after I posted this story of me doing handstands, I'm like, people might say something to me. But like, yeah, I also know someone who competed in gymnastics through six months pregnant, which is crazy, but it happened and um, she was fine. So it's just, it's sort of this um, really intense uh, hands-on experience of listening to your body and not all of us are um, really taught that. I mean, I don't know about you, but being around just the Boston and then the Chicago fitness industries, it's like, how many workout classes can you do? And, and how intense can it be? And I'm the queen, or I shouldn't say I am, I was the queen of, you know, going for 10 mile runs when my ankle and my hip hurt because, oh, I have to run. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey into this and why you care so much and why you have made it your mission to help women along this journey. Yeah, 100%. And I so connect with the feeling of, um, like working out through pain and I think if you're like a really type a high achiever like a lot of people listening to this may be it's so ingrained in us to be like oh like you can you can push through pain and that's like so rewarded in um the fitness industry and in our culture in general um so I think it's really important to acknowledge that and then you said something really important which I love which is um knowing your own body and yourself um and that intuition of, is this going to work for me or not? And um, doing what works for you, even though people may verbally even say something is so important in pregnancy, because I so agree with you. I um, took some of your classes. I went to Barry's nonstop my second pregnancy. Um, and people are it's, you know, ripe for a time to comment. And I almost, I felt nervous sometimes that people would come up to me and be like, I don't know if you're supposed to be doing that. Um, Or I would even be in class with other pregnant women sometimes and be like, oh, well, she's doing this, but I haven't really felt comfortable with this. Like, should I push myself? Because I have a very competitive nature where I'm like, well, if she can do it, like I should do it too. And 
this is a perfect time in fitness and in life to really lean into the trusting your gut and leaning into the feeling like just because I can do something doesn't mean I should right now. And really, I think that this is a great time to learn this because that's um, kind of the basis of what being a mom is all about as well. Um, you, everyone has so many different opinions on what's possible or not. And um, being an, as a mom, like one thing you really have to learn is going with your gut and having the confidence to being like, this is what works for me and my family. And um, it might not work for other people. And there's going to be so much judgment, but from everyone's going to have their opinion always. Um, and just leaning into that and being like, this is what works for me right now. And I'm going to have confidence and do it is a great skill to learn. So I think learning to apply that in your pregnancy is only going to help you later on. Mm, thank you. I, I think it's so important to acknowledge that women are going through that right now and that yeah. it has happened or maybe they went through it and now they're looking, maybe they're in their second pregnancy. Maybe they're thinking about their third and that, um, and this actually, I, I spoiler alert, know a little bit about your story, but every yeah. pregnancy is different. So, yeah. um, when you, I guess maybe to jump off on your story, did, were you doing this prior to being pregnant or did this happen from pregnancy? Yes. Your, your career. 100%, 100%. So I worked in advertising both in New York and in Boston for about 11 years prior to this career change. Um, and mm -hmm was always have, you know, been a huge runner my entire life, a big exerciser in almost every sense of the word. As I mentioned before, I'm a very type A person. So I loved um, having a really intense career as the advertising industry is. And I also love pushing myself um, physically as much as possible. So um, I've always done that. I've always um, loved fitness, but it was more from, you know, a personal, like, how can I achieve these results for myself, um, standpoint, um, flash forward to kind of six years ago, we actually had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. So I, um, my first pregnancy, I had to take a bit of a break prior to getting pregnancy. And I know what that whole struggle is like, but then had a very active pregnancy, had a totally healthy pregnancy with my daughter. I worked out until like the day before. No, I think I worked out the day my water broke at 38 weeks. Like, I, like it was, um, and then I had um, a vaginal delivery. I recovered in like, you know, record time was really back to like my body. And I say that with quotation marks and my fitness level. Um, right out the bat. So it, I felt very fortunate with that. I went right back into exercising. Um, and I, I loved it, but I have to say the mind shift of, um, the mom guilt, the feeling like I just, I really didn't, I feel like I was constantly trying to get back to almost feeling like dissatisfaction where, I was stepped into this new role, but I was so constantly always trying to, um, I was in this new role, but I was constantly trying to like get back to where I used to be in some sense of the word. Like I was kind of at the same physical fitness levels and I was working out all the time, but I wasn't, I, I felt like I shouldn't be doing it because I was taking too much time away from, um, uh, from my daughter or I, 
I don't know, like I, I felt like I, I felt the mom guilt in that sense. And then I felt like always comparing how easy it used to be before I had kids and kind of pressure with that. And so then I got pregnant through IVF a year, two years later, was having a totally healthy pregnancy. Um, and just as uh, like, to add on to this, what, uh, what happened in my second pregnancy is incredibly rare. So I don't want it to worry or trigger other people. But I was having a completely normal pregnancy. I worked out the day of this happening, I had actually passed my gestational diabetes test the day before and like, talked to my OB and they were like, you're having an awesome pregnancy. I went to work that day, went home, picked up my daughter, gave her dinner, sat down on the couch, and then my water broke three months early, actually. Um, and we rushed to the hospital and, um, long story short, um, I lived in the hospital in bed rest at Beth Israel for almost two months. Um, my son, I lasted through, um, as long as you can, when your water breaks, um, my son and I both almost died in the process. Um, we had like a very, uh, very down and dirty C-section, um, and, both of us are fine now, but it was an incredibly scary experience. So I went into the day of my water breaking, being in fantastic shape, pregnancy wise, um, having all my strength. And I left um, having a near death experience and not being barely being able to walk at all. Um, because I had been on bed rest so long that like, your muscles actually completely uh, like you can have like decomposition and crazy quick timeline, which you don't really realize. And then also, um, and then also I'd had this major C-section, right? So it was a lot, a comp night and day experience, the recovery on the other side. And while it was one of the most challenging experiences of my life, I almost believe that that experience saved the life of my son, but it really saved me because it made me have a whole new perspective on what it meant to be a parent and what it meant to have your health and your body. You know, I walked into that experience being in fantastic shape and fantastic health, but really having always having these um, goals for myself for um, challenging myself, being hard on myself and aesthetic purposes for my body. And I left that experience having just a whole new outlook that I had always kind of been striving for, but never could achieve where I, I see health now as such a gift, right? And it's such a, the reasons for it are, you know, for living your healthiest life for, you know, per like if any situation should happen where your health is taken away, like you see how important it really is and it kind of drives into place why it matters. So mm. that was what was really important to me. And then the experience postpartum um, a year ago of getting back into shape after, you know, I've always been in great shape. So I had no idea what this would be like, but the experience of regaining all that strength, getting back into shape um, was an incredibly different experience. It was like nothing I'd ever been through before. And it also made me realize how kind of gray and little is known about the postpartum fitness area. At, um, and so I was like, you know, if if I can go from not even being able to walk from leaving the hospital in this week estate to being really challenging myself, really learning about this, being in some of the best shape within four months I've ever been in, everyone can do this and everyone should have the power to be able to do this. 
Mm. Um, and so, but there's so little known about it. So that's when I had a, um, geez, a two-year-old and a three-month-old. I made the decision, I'm going to go back to work for a month, but then I'm going to leave my advertising career and I'm going to go back to school full-time in our accelerated program and um, get certified for personal training as well as a specialization in pre and postnatal training. And I really want to like use this experience to change, not all that's changed my life for good, but change, um, help everyone else to, you know, live in their best light as a pregnant woman and as a new mom to like feel their best and look their best and really like have the power that they deserve to have. So that's, that's kind of how I made this big shift in the past year. <laughs> wow. It sounds too like you were able to kind of just um, attack it head on with, with clarity. And could it be from a near-death experience, just from the, the trauma you went through potentially? But I think it's a really good example for the listeners because so often the listeners will come in or you know write to me or comment about, Oh, I want to make this career jump. I want to change my, I want to build a side hustle. I want to start this business. And I always sort of, and we've talked about this on a few other episodes, um, need versus should and need versus should part two, where when you have that calling, it's like, you just, like you said, like, you're like I'm going to do this for a month and then I'm going to start, then I'm going to go back to school. And it's just like, you don't care how hard it's going to be. You just do it because it matters because it's so aligned and uh, purpose-driven for you. And I, I just appreciate you sharing all of your uh, experience so vulnerably because it's also a good, um, a good lesson for people to hear that um, when you know, you know, and, and you make the change and, and it flows from there. And so um, to yeah, sort of- 100%. To shift into the um, kind of postpartum um, side of things, um, I want to potentially maybe start with Shelby. She had a, because um, I'm not there yet, uh, but I, <laughs> I also, I kind of want to compare and contrast your experiences and with Shelby, who had C-sections and what, what is the kind of, at yeah. least, I know you said there's a lot of gray area, but like known protocol at this point for getting back into exercise, I've heard the like magical, like maybe six weeks or eight weeks number. Mm -hmm. Um, but Shelby, maybe if you just want to share a little bit about your, uh, post, uh, partum journey after C-section. Yeah. So my first, um, I actually was going like, we, I don't even know what week it was, but we went in to get like a checkup and actually, no, we had a scare that we were about to have like our daughter, like I was going into labor really early and I was like, uh, okay, well, I guess let's do this. Um, but then she stopped. Well, I found out that my hips don't rotate the way that they should to have a baby vaginally. So we end up having a schedule C-section. And after that, I felt like I hunched over. I could not walk. Yeah. This is going to be TMI, but like going to the bathroom hurt so bad. Like you, I, it was horrible. And, you know, nobody told, told me these things of like, yeah, this is going to happen. Or yeah, you're going to have a catheter in, or yeah, you can't walk or, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is horrible. Yeah. But I was like, it doesn't matter. Like I have a beautiful daughter. She's amazing. She, I had a healthy pregnancy. Um, now with my second one, you know, I had, I think she, she, she was three, she was three years old. 
I had to be put on bed rest because of stress that happened. And I just had this weird mom gut feeling um, that something was off. And so I went to the doctor and she was like, I guess they did a swab test where you can test to see if you're going to, if you're giving off that protein of preterm labor, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, (laughs) She did that. And by the time I got home, I live an hour away from my house. So I got home and she called me back and was like, you need to get here right now. You could be having this baby any day. And I was like, okay. So I had to go back and do steroid shots. And then was on bed rest. And that was hard with a three-year-old. And I'm like, this is, you know, rough. And thankfully, we made it to our scheduled C-section. And I felt like I recovered quicker with the second one. Maybe it's just because I had another, I had a three-year-old that I had to be mom to. Um, But I also noticed that, like, my gut wasn't as good as it used to be. Like, eating something that I used to eat before I had her didn't really bother Mm -hmm. me. But now that I eat it, I'm like, Oh man, like I feel pains and places that I never felt before. And you know, where your C-section scar is, it's very sensitive that again, I wasn't really told. So all these new things of like, you're not going to have, or you don't have certain feelings or it feels prickly or, you know, when you eat something or even doing like a sit up, like hurts, not hurts, but feels weird to where you're like, Ooh, that, that is, is that supposed to feel that way? Um, so yeah. that's why another reason why I didn't really work out right away. Um, but again, I've been starting to be kind of like what you said earlier, trying to find myself again before, yeah. like who I was before I had kids. And I'm to that point now where I'm like, I want to start working out, but then I have that mom guilt that comes in. It's like, well, I want to spend time with them or I want to go to the gym or can I do this? And so doing like little things help. Um, but my question for you is like, what could I do? Like my, my youngest is 20 months now. So what could I do working out that you've kind of noticed that helped or didn't feel as uncomfortable as it did before? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And you're bringing up so many, so many awesome points. I think um, and this is where I start to feel really passionate because I think there's such a gray area in terms of what's possible after pregnancy, but not so much that, but so much women postpartum are, I've seen through both pregnancies I've had, I've had vaginal and C-section delivery and how different they are. Um, but then I've talked to so mm-hmm. many people starting um, exercise both back up postpartum. And this is no fault. I have to say, I love my OB. I have so much respect for doctors in general. Um, this is no discreditation to them. It's just the way the postpartum system is worked in our country um, leaves women, I think, uh, without the tools to succeed properly in terms of getting back into fitness. And women are just so left in the dark, which is unfortunate. Um, I talked to women. So uh, Gary, as you were saying, the general rule of thumb is that you have this baby, you're in like, it's a complete like chit show the first six weeks um, in hormonally in terms of breastfeeding in terms of your body. Um, and then you go to you have generally, um, if you have a vaginal delivery, you have one appointment, I think with a C section, you have two, maybe but you get to that six weeks appointment and 
um, people are like, okay, you're good to do whatever you did before, usually. And a lot of women that I talk to, they aren't even checked for ab separation by their OBs. Or um, it's just a very like one and done appointment. And I want to point out here that mm-hmm. um, OBs are great. It's not necessarily their job. Their job is to deliver a healthy, happy baby and make sure that the mom comes out of the birthing process. Um, you know, alive and well, it's not necessarily their job to work with the period afterwards. The problem is that there's nothing in place for women afterwards. So you just have this quick appointment and then go ahead and do whatever fitness things you did before. And honestly, that can't really be farther from the truth. Your body has been through a lot of trauma, no matter what pregnancy you had, your entire core section has been expanded and brought back. Your lungs have been pushed up. Like there's all these things that happen. So it's really knowing, um, you know, in Europe and other places, it's legitimately put into place that you can work with a pelvic floor doctor or a pre and postnatal personal trainer for the 18 months after you have a baby, right? So that's what the norm is. And that is really what should be happening more of everywhere else. I wish that it was. Um, So given that, having a vaginal birth or C-section, there's things you can do to really help your core muscles and help all of that um, the year after pregnancy. Um, And the other part to that is that having a C-section is an incredibly different experience, right? Like um, you have, it's a major surgery that you have, your nerve endings are cut off, your Mm -hmm. abdominal muscles, every layer of your abdominal muscles is cut open, right? So there's just a much different healing process to regaining your core strength that is needed. So for you, what I'd recommend is um, it's really learning how to engage your lower core muscles again, because uh, your transverse abdominus, your lower core muscles and your rectus abdominus have been um, cut through. So it's learning how you might be feeling these pains again, as you're nerve connections come back into place, which can take up to uh, eight months, I believe, to fully feel your lower core muscles again. And it's just learning how to, one thing that happened to me that happens to a lot of women is once they start going back into exercise, you're just told you can do anything. This is, uh, by the way, for C-section or vaginal delivery, but your, you can, um, you can create ab separation, pulling your rectus abdominal muscles apart. You can give it to yourself, even if you didn't have it from pregnancy, um, up to a year postpartum, because you still have that relaxant hormone going through your system. So what tends to happen is you're either pulling apart your rectus abdominis muscles, or what you may be feeling that you can't utilize your, your lower core is that you actually, your um, lower, your rectus abdominis kind of tries to take over because it's a path of least resistance and your nerve endings are cut off in your transverse muscles. So it's learning how to engage your transverse abdominis and pelvic floor a lot postpartum. So there's a lot of work that you can do to just start. It's almost um, a mixture of pelvic floor work, um, like PT style work, as well as personal Mm -hmm. training. So it's just really honing in on the right exercises you can do. There's a lot of like diaphragmatic breathing that I work with clients for, or just work to start to try and re-engage those lower core muscles. So 
it really will probably look like a different experience than just jumping right back into like, oh, I want my core back. I'm going to do as many sit-ups as possible. That's not the right method for anyone to take. It's really learning these new exercises that will engage your core again. And in doing that, you can walk out with a stronger, um, it may feel impossible right now, but doing these small steps is going to allow you, you can walk out with a better core strength and better overall strength than you ever had um, is one thing to know. Just know that it's possible. And then also know like putting the time in to regain your core strength and feel confident in your body and all these things is going to help you have more confidence to like model better behaviors for your kids. So that's so important. It's going to help you be healthier okay. and happier. It's going to take pain away from your. Mm. So to take care of yourself yeah. that can take the guilt away from not having the time with your kids necessarily or something like that, you know? So it's, it's these small physical changes that make a huge benefit. And then it's also the mindset, the mind shift, things you can do for yourself as a mom, but um, knowing that it's necessary and it's worth it. Gut health is a topic that is widely talked about, and it's been talked about on this podcast before. If you know me and you've followed me for years, you know that I have a very challenging past with my beloved tummy. Getting that in check was a three-year process for me that I'd like to think is the reason I was able to get pregnant. There's a couple things that I was able to find after very, very serious prescriptive supplement protocols by a functional medicine practitioner who has been on this podcast. Shout out to Bridget. But after the intensive supplement protocol phased out, I was left with a few things that are now staples in my routine. Flash forward to three years, or I would say two years, of buying those things piecemeal from random places like Whole Foods, Amazon, and other supplement companies, uh, I actually found Isogenics. And Isogenics does have a certificate of quality, which makes it very valid amongst all the other brands that functional dietitians are recommending. And its protein powder, for instance, has been tested for metals. So it is a very safe and really um, renowned product. I created a gut health focused pack for you guys to purchase. This is located in the show notes. In this package, you can find CBD, which was the key to reducing my inflammation. You can find an immunity boosting powder to add to your oatmeal, like I do, a protein powder shake. You can also get this Isa Immune Zinc Spray for your mouth. It is an immunity supplement if you did not want to eat it in your oatmeal. You can also get digestive enzymes, which I personally take before I go out to dinner because those meals tend to be heavier or anytime I eat red meat, collagen, bone broth, vegetable flavor. These are packets. I love the freaking bone broth. Obviously, you know me and Surfer because if we can make our own, we do, but I know that that's not accessible to every, everyone because you can't buy venison at the store. <laughs> I also put lavender oil on my pillow to help me fall asleep and de-stress at night, and I take a supplement called, um, or I have taken various versions of theanine and melatonin sleep remedies, and they have brain and 
a sleep support at Isagenics. So check out the Garrett's or G's gut health focus pack in the show notes. My also my favorite protein powder is in there. It will keep you super full. It has been tested for metals and then organic greens. It's a canister you can add to your protein shake, to your oatmeal, to your water to make sure you are getting all your greens covered. And then finally, Isoflush, which is just their special name for magnesium citrate. This is really cool because I take this every night to allow for better motility through my intestines. Uh, I take magnesium. I have taken magnesium citrate for three years. This is a form of that that will help your intestines pull water into them so that you can flush things out in the morning. I have slow motility, so this is a really powerful supplement. Again, I've taken it for years. I usually try to pick it up at Whole Foods or buy on Amazon, but with this package, I have curated for you guys. You can literally buy it all in bulk, and then you can even select auto ship if you'd want to get it monthly. So please check out the G's gut health pack in the show notes. And now back to the show. Mm. That um is really helpful to hear, even for me as I forward <laughs> to it. Um and I guess one of the questions that's coming up for me now too is, well, oh, many, but uh, so with <laughs> pelvic floor therapy, like I, I think my fiance might know what that is because uh, I've probably talked about it at this point, but he probably had no clue before. So for women who yeah. are seeking that support, um, is that something right now that's covered by insurance? And two, is there a way in your mind to vet people in that space and like in your space, like what should women be looking for as far as that kind of uh, support team? And is there anything else you've done along your journey of healing? So acupuncture, massage, um, any of that stuff. And, and is it realistic to think that in one year's time, I guess like it depends on how proactive you are, that you could feel like you're back in your former body or do you think that's never really possible? Oh, 100%. I think, I mean, the first thing to look at is what your fitness levels were like before, how active you were in your pregnancy, um, and how like the weight gain went for your pregnancy, how like if you had any like major snafus that you ran into, and then what type of delivery you had, right? So for me, my first pregnancy, I was able to get back into like feeling totally quote unquote like myself before. And I really did, I really did no pelvic floor work, anything like that um, within like three months. I was very fortunate. Um, my second with Bo, um, I had to learn kind of like figure out exactly what was out there and to kind of answer your questions. Unfortunately, pelvic floor therapy um, can be covered by insurance. A small portion of mine was, but it's not the norm for people to see them. It's not recommended. And even with my crazy pregnancy experience, I was like automatically cleared at six weeks postpartum. Wow. Go back to working out however you want. And I had to go back and be like, I think I'm getting some ab separation and I just want, I, I need all this extra support, right? I just had this insane experience happen and I don't want to completely um, deal with this for the rest of my life. I want to go back and be in awesome shape again. I want to have like these strength goals. I don't want to be in my forties and 
be dissatisfied with my core, be dissatisfied, not be able to run anymore, not be able to have bladder control. Like I don't, I don't want that. So what can I do? So I looked for an awesome um, pelvic floor doctor. I had to fight for part of it to be covered by my insurance. It's really, um, as I said before, it's not the norm. I think you can look into it for different reasons. I know clients of mine who have like really specific bigger issues like prolapse or different things like that can fight for a bit of insurance, but it really is something um, you have to invest in for yourself, which it can be a big financial uh, strain, but it's so worth it. Um, So uh, what I did was I did a lot of pelvic floor work. I worked out in pregnancy and postpartum actually with a um, personal trainer who specialized in it. And then I just read up on everything I could do to help. And I worked with a great acupuncturist. Um, I, there's manual massage work you could do for C-section scars, which helped me um, tremendously. Um, and so I looked for all, I kind of built up a team for myself and I was able to get back into, I'm still working on my core and different things, um, but I was able to get back into like, my pre-baby size and my pre-baby strength. And I, within the first five months postpartum and I, um, you know, after this crazy experience with Bo, I ran, um, I've run multiple, multiple half marathons, um, almost, (laughs) almost a full, but then pulled a muscle full marathon um, in the first year. So it's, it's 100% possible. Um, It's just having the tools and the support system that you need depending on, where you are uh, postpartum. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful. And you brought up yeah. something about a bladder. Is there any preventative measures you can take during pregnancy through exercise or avoiding certain exercises to potentially avoid having bladder issues? Or is that completely dependent upon delivery and like postpartum care? No, that's a great question. I mean, um, again, it's very specific to a lot of different things, but the thing with bladder is, so your pelvic floor, the best way I can explain it to people um, verbally is it's almost like a little, your pelvic floor sits um, right in your lower core uh, is the area. And it's almost like a little banana hammock that is in your innermost core that your bladder sits on top of and your uterus sits on top of. So the reason women have a lot of issues pregnant and postpartum with bladder control is because the weight of the baby and everything is not only sitting on top of your pelvic floor um, as well as your bladder. So when you're pregnant, um, it's just all of this intense weight sitting on those pelvic floor muscles and it can make them And then the baby pushes through all of them, right? So it's either making your pelvic floor muscles incredibly weak or what's very interesting, which I didn't know about until, I don't know, I felt like the pelvic floor muscles were like kind of this like unicorn I could never figure out until learning about them more. They can make become incredibly weak or incredibly overstrained and tightened postpartum. Um, So a lot of things you can do to help the process along um, is avoiding, which is kind of um, things people say to avoid during pregnancy, but you don't know why, which is kind of frustrating. Um, but something you can do to help it um, 
it won't necessarily solve the problem, but you can do everything you can it to be in the best place possible. You know what I mean? Um, is just avoid a lot of um, like jumping or strain. That's just completely putting a lot of pressure on uh, your, on your pelvic floor and your bladder during pregnancy. Right. So anything you can do to like support it as, as opposed to hurt it is only going to like put you in the best place possible. I'm not going to say it's not going to, you're not going to have issues, but it's going to put you in the best position possible to be successful postpartum. So that's why people say to really um, avoid lots of like jumping and things like that uh, during pregnancy, especially as you get further along. Mm, that's super helpful. It's sort of like, yeah, you know, those potential myths, rumors of what is that? Is that true? Is that my destiny as a pregnant woman? Um, one of the things we haven't hit on that I'd love to briefly uh, go over, uh, if you have a little bit more time, yeah, uh, is this um, that this hormonal shift. And I know that that's you're not you know claiming to be a hormonal health coach or anything like that, but mm. you experienced it. And um, I I know just from being a female and, and having different hormone surges and getting pregnant so far that you know our hormones affect the way we feel, they can affect the way we think, and when it comes to that postpartum period, how, what was the balancing of hormones like for you? And, um, how did exercise impact that or, um, or how was it, uh, impacting your exercise? So for instance, like not wanting to exercise or not having the energy, um, I would just love for you to speak to that, uh, period, that postpartum period. Yeah. 100%. So and this is mostly speaking from my experience having kids and um, and the knowledge I had through my certification, but mostly speaking about from experience and like what I've felt during both uh, postpartum periods. And that is that um, you're going to go through this crazy shift that even if you don't feel it directly happening to you, it's you can see it in different ways, right? So you may not feel, I feel, I think what's the first like six weeks, what's happening is you're completely exhausted, but then you're making your, it's almost a huge come down effect that you just had this baby the first like week and a half after both pregnancies. I, um, I know myself and I was prepared to be like completely devastated and depressed because you have this huge hormone drop. Um, and I, I was surprised to feel like I, um, I wasn't having these extreme baby blues that as someone who's like predisposed to anxiety and like really feeling um, strong emotions from that type of, you know, potential side effect, I, I didn't feel but I do remember this one instance where my mom came over and I was probably like four weeks postpartum and I just started like sobbing and was like, I don't think my baby knows who I am. And she, my daughter came out with really jet black uh, or really, really dark brown hair. And that was the thing that like set my hormones off the most because I was like, I sat down to my mom and I'm like, I don't feel like I even know my baby. Um, she has brown hair and <laughs> I just so have, I just expected a daughter to come out looking like a direct like carpet carbon copy of me I guess which like she does look a lot like me now but like isn't I mean that doesn't happen I don't know why that 
directly set me off. So I had been feeling completely fine until four weeks when this happened. And then I was like, whoa, something might be going on with my hormones. And I wasn't even aware of it. Um, so I think what I can suggest is prepare for the worst postpartum and hope for the best. And you're just going to be in the first six weeks, like in a very like roller coaster ride of emotions and feeling um, exhausted hormonally. Um, but you're also going to be feel that because you physically are exhausted. So just prepare for a support system in place for that time and know that it's going to be there. You just, you don't know necessarily like how strongly it will affect you. I think um, I can speak to a couple things that really helped me. Um, I, when you're exhausted and when your hormones are all over the place, you probably will be reaching for, you have a lot of like crazy cravings. I remember I never, this is really interesting. I think, um, I'm always like someone who craves like salty, crunchy. I'm not really a sweet person at all. The first six months after having both kids, I think because of the way my hormones fall and because of the fact that I'm breastfeeding, I like cannot stop. I kid you not thinking about chocolate. I don't care about like any of the foods I normally like. I crave sweet all the time. And I think it's just being cognizant that um, your hormones are in a completely different place. Even if like the rest of the day you're walking around looking and feeling okay, it doesn't mean that like those markers can be completely different. Um, and while you're so tired, you really want to give into them. One thing I realized postpartum is there's really with maybe the exclusion of pregnancy, there's never a more important time to be nourishing yourself with like healthy balance macros, as opposed to giving into those cravings where it's really easy to do you. Um, everyone's telling you when you're in the postpartum period, you actually need more calories. Um, if you're breastfeeding, especially than you did in your fourth trimester than you did even in your third trimester. And so you're like, okay, I'm exhausted. I need these extra calories. Like, why don't I just have something sweet or heavily caffeinated? It's just going to make your hormones feel even more out of whack. So one thing that's been really helpful for me is just acknowledge that those things are happening and like, be like, okay, what's one thing I can do to like treat my body well to support this process. Um, that will help me down the road in terms of my gut health. And like, you're in such a emotionally vulnerable state during that period, like what's going to help me really feel my best and support me in that way. Um, so those are some things uh, just anecdotally from like personal experience that I hope are helpful. <laughs> I think that's super helpful. Shelby, did you, yeah. um, did you feel anything similar along those lines as far as cravings or, um, any noticing of the baby blues? Oh my gosh. Yes. Every time you were talking, Katie, I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shaking my head. Oh goodness. Yeah. It definitely. And it was the, I mean, looking back at it now, like me and my husband laugh about it. Like he's like, you would just walk into a room and if a cup was in a different spot, you would cry. And I did. And I'd be like, why is this in a different spot? I had it here. And he's like, it, and I mean, at some points too, it hit me hard to where I was like, I feel like a horrible mom. Like I feel a horrible mom. I can't take care of my kids. I don't know what to do. Um, but having like what you said, Katie, having that support system, 
and using that support system, using the, that help that people are there for and not being afraid to ask for it. I was, my biggest thing was like, I, I can do, I'm, I can be super mom. I can do it by myself. Yeah. I don't need anybody's help, but it was also tearing me down. So calling your mom or calling your husband or, you know, just talking to a friend really can help with those baby blues. I mean, a major life thing just happened to you and your goal, it's like, it is like a roller coaster, but it's like, you're on this high. And then all of a sudden that baby's gone and your body's like, okay, now we got to go back to normal. But you had all these hormones inside of you that are now just gone. Like just that baby's out of you, like it's gone. So that, I can definitely agree with a lot of things that you said, Katie, about just having that support system. Even if it's at three o'clock in the morning, call somebody. If you're just feeling blue, I, I had a lot of, I mean, I hate to say it, but bad thoughts yeah. that really popped in. And I mean, I, that's probably like worst case scenario that it doesn't happen to everybody. Um, I do suffer with anxiety. Um, I had a lot of anxiety when I was younger. So those things would come in. So when I thought I was a bad mom, like it amplified, there was triggers, but yeah. talking about it asking for that help, put those to bed. Like they didn't bother me anymore. I didn't feel like a bad mom Mm. and I didn't cry because a cup was in the wrong spot Mm. anymore. But, (laughs) but yeah, those little things, you know, but just asking for the help and taking a hot shower by yourself and having somebody put the baby to bed or having somebody feed that baby, you know, it, that those are the biggest things that just I know you can do it. And like, I thought like I could do everything, but you do need that time to yourself. And that was the biggest eye opener for me was I need that time to myself to kind of get back to where I'm at. That's so, so normal. And so powerful that you can acknowledge those things in yourself. Um, and actually, um, get one, one point about exercise. That's something it's another time that's just knowing you it's so important to like go inside personally and know because you know you know what are the things that like when I'm feeling off or Mm -hmm. I'm feeling bad what are the things that make me feel better and just because you're in this like completely vulnerable hormonal shifts it doesn't mean that the things that helped you before can't still help you now Mm -hmm. so something that was super super helpful for me that I learned kind of after the first pregnancy of what I want to do differently the second time and that I help clients see a lot is the first pregnancy, I was like, I want to have everything like perfect for this baby. I want to have like all like the gear and everything put out. And the second time I was like, I was like, I don't, I didn't really have the time to plan, but I was like, I don't want to have a perfect birth plan. I don't really care if I have like all my onesies washed and folded instead of putting all that time and effort during pregnancy into what the birthing process is going to be like, and feeling completely prepared. Cause you do have a lot of it's called nesting, but it's really like wanting to feel like you're in control of this crazy change that's going to happen. I was like, no, instead of putting all my effort there, I'm going to put all my effort into doing what I need to do and that I know will make me feel better postpartum. So I was like, I want to have all the babysitters in place that I can have and the support 
when this baby is born, especially because I knew this baby would be in the NICU for a little bit. And then I was like, and I want to have the support staff that I can leave and feel fine and do the things for myself that will make me feel better. So mm. in that postpartum period, even though I was like very, um, I started working out after having Bo as soon as I could. And I took as much time for myself as I needed. And I really worked on not feeling bad about it because you do have this crazy mom guilt, which is kind of a hormonal response to feeling bad if you do anything for yourself. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, I need this time for myself. I need, if you tore your ACL and like felt bad about doing physical therapy afterwards, that would just like, that would never happen. Um, but in the postnatal period, like no one, it's not the expectation. So a lot of people feel bad about doing it, but I was like, exercise I know is one thing that even if I'm not going to be nearly as in good shape as I was before starting out, even if I can take small steps and put the time in and do it, it's going to make me feel better. And that I think, um, especially after my crazy second pregnancy is really what saved me. Like I knew it was so much equally about like, getting my physical strength back about but like maintaining my emotional strength as well so if you're someone who knows that type of stuff will help you please 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 do it you know yeah and I think um I hope some of the listeners hearing this are going to be inspired to have those conversations with their partners with their family yeah. with their support system because I think me mentally preparing my partner for this stuff that alone is like a form of nesting for me and, and make, yeah. and like, Oh, he's on the same page. He knows that this thing might happen. And whether we have to have like a code word, be, you know, to prepare, <laughs> so he knows, okay, this is a thing. And I might need 90 minutes at the gym, you know, if that can happen. I mean, luckily with COVID, a lot of us I know have adjusted to working out at home. Yeah. So there's less of the like commute issue that I know some women face and childcare. Um, but I think that those points are so helpful. And I know that the people listening are going to take a lot of value uh, from that. And I guess sort of to wrap up, I would love to know sort of what your mission is all about and, and where you kind of see the next few years of your career going and how, you know, you would love to be impacting people through, you know, in the, in the future and, and what you're kind of focused on. I love asking people um, that and like what they're looking to manifest. Yeah. I, thank you. I love that. Um, so I, I was actually thinking about this on my little like mind clearing walk right before this. I, um, I had this, you know, changing careers was not like the easy, safe, thing for me it was like leaving a career where that was by very financially stable and like the e not easy but the like made sense next step to do and I changed my career now because I wanted to reach and help as many people as possible and like nothing feels more rewarding to me that when I'm like talking to people, I have started to train to feel, to hear them say, wow, I really do feel stronger. And wow, I was so afraid to do this after a crazy C-section or after feeling like I would never get this back, like to reach those goals. Like, um, wow, I had really bad abs separation. And now like it's starting to feel better. I'm starting to feel awesome in my body again. Nothing makes me feel better than that. So looking at my business plan for the next couple of years, I'm really trying to talk to 
as many people as possible and make this um, postpartum and pregnancy fitness as possible for as many people as I can reach. That's like, if I look back in the next 20 years and be like, I helped as many people as possible, that's what I want to feel. So I'm really working right now on um, bringing my business online as much as possible because while I, you know, there's so much work to be done in the Boston community in terms of postpartum fitness, it at least um, pelvic floor work and all that stuff is a little bit more known. When I talk to people across the country right now, there are people in rural places who had like no idea about any of this stuff. There's no, they have no access to other people and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. So right now I'm actually working on developing um, some, I'm doing a lot more virtual personal training as well as nutrition coaching and goal setting for women. And I'm also developing a 12 week um, postpartum group coaching course, which I think is gonna be awesome because it will work with people everywhere who want access to it, right? Um, and then we can also work in a group together to reach these goals, which is just building up. I think right now what's really hard for the postpartum communities when you're typically when you first have a baby, you can like do all these mommy and me classes and group fitness classes where you like find your tribe sort of. And that was so huge to me in the postpartum period. And right now because of COVID there, it just doesn't really exist as much. So I think doing um, kind of like group work together is not only going to allow access to so many more people, but it also is going to help kind of like bridge that community for people who need it a little bit. So I'm kicking off with that in the beginning of next year. And I'm really, really excited about all of that work. Um, and I guess my goal in the next couple of years is to have group coaching available for um, postpartum women and then have one for people in their second, third trimester of pregnancy. Because I want people to have the availability to get in and maintain awesome fitness levels during pregnancy, as well as um, reach all their goals postpartum. Um, so that's kind of my plan. Um, I just, I want people to feel like they can achieve all the success they want to achieve both in pregnancy and postpartum, you know, to feel like this is a time where you can have, be an amazing parent and also be in amazing shape and feel the best you've ever felt. Mm, so powerful. And it's so exciting. I was just thinking, um, it would be cool to come back, have you back after I give birth and I can speak yeah. even more uh, specific questions and, um, talk more about that program once it's live. Um, for now, I know we'll put this in the show notes, but, um, if you want to shout out where people can find you, how you want to be contacted and all of that, so they can hear it. And then find it in the show notes. That would be awesome. Yeah, 100%. Well, I do a lot of my work um, and do a lot of free uh, tips and tricks through my social media channels. So I'm Katie Briard um, and my Instagram is a great place to start when reaching out for me, which is Method, the name of my company by Katie Briard. Um, so look out for me there. And then if you want to reach out to me through my website or email, my uh, website is methodbykatiebriard.com. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and just of course. being so vulnerable with your story and hearing part of Shelby's story. And um, it's been really insightful for me and I hope a lot of other women. So look forward to uh, reconnecting in the future. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, best of luck with everything, Shelby. It was so nice to talk to you. And I just think you are so inspiring and you're going to be such a great inspiration um, for the rest of your pregnancy. And as a mom, you're just doing everything right. So continue doing what you're doing. Cause, um, it's awesome. Thank you, Katie.